just put my football analyst hat on. They don't have as much ability to switch things around like Arsenal do with Niedema, Blacksenius. They can try different formations. Don't think United might have that. They don't have the personnel to do that. Subscribe to the OTB Koyig pod on the OTB Sports app now. Women's golf on Off the Ball. In association with KPMG, proudly supporting women in sport. Now, the Women's Irish Open, sponsored by KPMG, is back after a 10-year absence. Last played back in 2012. It will be played again next week. Uh, we're going to have an interesting home challenge as well, including Leona Maguire and Stephanie Meadow. Leona on the back of winning her first LPGA Tour event earlier this year. But I'm delighted to say that we're now joined by the winner of the first two editions of the Irish Open, a member of Golf's Hall of Fame, a four-time major winner, and seven-time European Order of Merit winner as well. It is Laura Davies. Laura, how are you getting on? Yes, very well, thank you. And when I take you back to the memories of 1994-1995, when the Irish Open was very much in its infancy, um, must be a happy memory, two of the many wins that you picked up over the years. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Um, obviously, any time you win, you're going to have fun memories. But I just love, I love going over to Ireland playing golf. I've always had done. And, uh, you know, it's like you say, to win a couple of times, a couple of Irish Opens was... Well, just lovely. Great memories, although it's a long time ago. I can't remember too many shots, if I'm honest. But, uh, yeah, winning, winning, winning in front of the Irish fans is probably even a bit more fun. Well, maybe you remember the winning margin more so of 1995 because it was a record given that you finish up on 25 under at St. Margaret's in Dublin in 95, 16 strokes clear of the field. Uh, that's a remarkable victory by any stretch, isn't it? Yeah, that was, I, do, I do remember. I remember the golf course. You know, a lot of the holes out there, and I, I just remember it was one of those weeks. You know, you just you play well, you putt well, everything goes your way. It doesn't happen often. I think only two or three times in my entire life have I have had wins of that sort of magnitude. And uh, yeah, it's just you just you get into a roll, and it just seems like you're never going to hit a bad shot. And that particular week, twenty five under, was obviously quite a good score. Yeah, I mean, like it's a remarkable score to chalk up. This reminds me of John Ram when he was talking about Portrush a few years ago uh, when he won the Irish Open and a bit like that, he went on a run and he said, effectively, he knew that two or three rounds in he was going to win the tournament, but he pushed himself to try and get to as low a score as possible. You're almost, in that case, playing against yourself as much as the field. Yeah, well, I've always been, you know, I never think it's over until, I mean, if you've got a big lead and you make the turn on Sunday, that, that's when you know kind of it's in the bag, but up until that point, you just want to, like like John said, you just want to keep pushing further and further ahead. Um, I've never worried about records. They're, those sort of things are there to be broken anyway. But, you know, if uh, if you do break records along the way, then obviously that's a massive bonus. You came back to play multiple times at the Irish Open afterwards. You were a runner-up on two occasions as well in 99 and in 2003. You obviously, as you mentioned at the outset, enjoyed coming over to Ireland to play the Irish Open during its uh, 20-year run or so. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. I mean, like I said, I'm not just saying it because obviously the Irish people listening. It's fun playing in front of them. The, you know, the, the food's great over there. It's just it's just a fun, friendly environment. And obviously, we won the, the Solheim Cup in Ireland. And, well, I've never seen things like it, to be quite honest with you. So, yeah, it's just a fun, it's a lovely place to come and play golf for it, to be honest with you. It's probably a nice time to reignite it too. I mean, mentioned Leon Maguire as well and the fact that she's now sitting inside the world's top 20. She's 16th at the moment, getting ready to go into the tournament next week. Has been a yep. star of the last Solheim Cup team. You know, won the drive-on championship back in February as well. Um, it's probably a good time to revive it when there is an Irish player playing so well up towards the top of the world rankings currently. Uh, absolutely. And and to not have that particular tournament is, is, is such a shame. So, I'm so proud. I was so pleased when I saw it on the schedule. Really disappointed that I have a 
conflicting event that week. I'm playing in Korea. Otherwise, you know, I'd have I'd have really enjoyed being, to be back there. And um, you know, at this stage of my career, winning is probably a little bit out of the question. But just to play in front of uh, the Irish galleries again, and hopefully they'll be big. I, I imagine if Leona's there, they're going to be very big. Um, so yeah, it's great to see it back on the calendar. Do you still enjoy playing at this stage? Again, I was watching Potter Carrington after his latest win. Now he's gone on to the senior tour himself. And he said part of this is he still wants to compete for as long as he possibly can. And that kind of competitive edge never really goes away. Is that something that you found as well? It is really, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm trying to get more into the commentary at the moment. So I want to be a commentator that plays golf, but I still want to play. I can play on the LPGA Tour. You know, basically, I've got my Hall of Fame stages I can play. And I, I plan to play maybe up to 10 tournaments a year and commentate as well. So I think once you, you enjoy competing, it's very difficult to uh, to let that go. And I know exactly what Podrick's saying. I, I enjoyed the US Seniors Open a few weeks ago. I had a chance to win and didn't quite work out, unfortunately. I had a, had a really bad score on the 13th hole on the Sunday. But just to be in that position again was so nice. Even for your commentary work and your media work currently, does it help to still stay attached to the game and still be playing as well, as opposed to going into, say, semi-retirement or retirement from playing and maybe just going commentating full-time? Yeah, no, definitely. Playing, playing, keeping in touch with the players, you know, the young players. I'm good friends with a lot of the, the British girls and, and the Americans, for that matter. And, uh, yeah, so it's, I think it's very beneficial. Obviously, I, I commentate more on the men's, men's golf on the PGA Tour. So, obviously, I don't get to, to play alongside those guys, but... Certainly in the women's game, that um, that's you know quite an important part of of the commentary um, when I do do the women's golf. So yeah, very important to keep playing, keeping in touch. Can I ask you about your assessment of where women's golf is at currently? Because we've had lots of different major winners over the last stretch of the majors. Um, it looks to me like a fairly stacked top 10 in the world right now. And going into a lot of the LPGA events particularly, it's difficult to call a winner on the week of an actual championship. It seems to me there's a bit of depth in the fields that are playing currently. Yes, and it's, it's depth at the top as well, which you don't always get. You know, you, you basically just answered your own question. It's, there's so many that can win. Any given week, yes, there's players who are slightly more consistent, but there's a lot of players, if they get it right, they're going to be winning. Um, so, yeah, it's, in, it's, it's fun. It's interesting. It's nice that um, obviously Leona's put her name in the mix now, which is great. But it's nice to see her up there as many times as possible. And hopefully Charlie Hull and um, Georgia Hall can get a bit more consistency. But, um, yeah, the women's game's in a, a really strong position. Um, and I think it's only going to go from strength to strength really felt like for Leona Maguire the Solheim Cup was a major moment within her career like she was such a successful amateur and so good playing over in the States as an amateur and then the Solheim Cup kind of seemed to just propel her to the next level now that was followed on by winning on tour earlier this year but it seems the Solheim was really really important for her where she was genuinely one of the stars on the European team she was the star on the European team there's no question about it four and a half out of the five points I think she got um, she, and I think everyone thought, you know, very quiet. She's not going to, might not be quite so much fun in the team room. Nothing going to be further from the truth. She's, she's such a good, uh, great girl and uh, great to be in the team room with her. And, um, yeah, I think she was definitely the star of the European show. We had a lot of good players, obviously, playing well that week. But the way she stepped up and the pat she held under pressure, um, and that can only be good. I always used to love playing full-on cups because I would always come out of them, win or lose. You'd always come out of them with a bit more confidence. So um, hopefully that's what's, that's what's happened to Leona. And, um, yeah, she's had the one win, could have had another, maybe another one or two as well. And I think 
you know, over the next two, three, four years, hopefully she'll get half a dozen plus wins because she's most certainly got the game for it. Well, you can give us an insight into playing in the Solheim Cup, giving your experience through it, that for us, I think watching it as viewers, half the excitement is that you look at the American team, you look at the world rankings, and oftentimes like the Ryder Cup, you're thinking this should be one-sided and that should be an American win. But that team spirit, this idea of match play golf, uh, there's something very absorbing about the format. Oh, without, without, I, I just used to love it because, you know, for 103 weeks of the two-year cycle, you're playing for yourself, you're on your own, you and your caddy out there, and then all of a sudden there's upwards of 40 people in a team room, all with the one goal in mind, and for whatever reason, Ryder Cup or Solheim Cup, the European team seems to feed off each other. The Americans, I don't know why. I mean, they always talk about great team spirit and everything, but European teams have always just naturally had that, whether it's you know a team more full of British players or Swedish players. Certainly in the women's game, there's always been a heavy Scandic um, amount of players in the team. But people you wouldn't even spend that much time on tour with. All of a sudden, for that week of the Solheim Cup, everyone is just as one, and, and it sounds... You know, like a cliche, but it's absolutely true, and it's it's one of the reasons that I think we've won so many Ryder Cups and Solheim Cups over the last sort of ten, twelve, fourteen years. Can I ask you about whether it's a case of expectation or enjoyment when you play on home soil? Because you would have played you know, multiple tournaments in England in front of a home crowd. Leona and Stephanie Meadow are going to have to probably deal with that expectation where people will be hoping for a home winner uh, next week and that the expectation will be on them because they're the top two Irish players currently. Um, they got a bit of that experience at Gallagorm a few weeks ago too, but do you actually relish playing in front of a home crowd or is it um, difficult with the weight of expectation? What did you find? Well, it's one of those things. If you're playing well going in, you 100% can't wait to play in front of your home crowd. If your game's not quite on it and you know that you know you're going to be disappointing and letting down people then it becomes more of a, a chore than an enjoyment. So if their games are strong going in and they're feeling confident, I think they'll just lap it up and really enjoy that environment. And like I said, if they have got a few worries, well, that's the way I was. I can't really speak for them. They might be completely different. But I always felt when I played the British Open, the English Open, if I came in playing well, it was just a really good fun week. There's also something about the players from these islands, both in the UK and in Ireland, that even if they're playing over in America, as will be the case with Stephanie and Leona, they grew up playing Lynx golf and they're going to have to compete with the wind coming in off the Atlantic Ocean next week. It's going to be one of the challenges too. But I think Irish and British players seem to really enjoy coming back and playing Lynx courses. Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, I didn't grow up playing Lynx golf, but it's my favourite form of golf. Any time we play the British Open, the Scottish, any time you get a chance just to go and play a Royal Birkdale or a Lytham, you always do it because... It's different, you know, we, I play a lot of golf in America, obviously, and um, it's more target golf and less imagination, I suppose. And I think the way we've all grown up playing in Europe, you have to have a little bit more imagination, whereas some of the Americans, I think, they don't need to because you hit fairways, you fire at pins, and it's, it's not like that. And I think that's obviously where sometimes the European players have a little bit of an advantage, maybe. I think even as supporters um, watching tournaments that are played in courses where the wind might pick up and where naturally the course might be protected by the elements a little bit can make it interesting. Like watching the top players having to work their way out of the rough, having to play difficult shots maybe into a headwind. Um, for those of us who have to maybe struggle our way around a golf course at the best of times, it's very entertaining to see the top players have to play those type of imaginative shots as well. Yeah, and I find that in commentary. There's nothing, I'm not going to say boring, that's the wrong word, mm. and players just shooting millions under par and the course is benign. It's lovely to see them out there having to really think and, and not always have a great round because the conditions got the better of them. And that's why I think people do love it because, like you say, 
it's a bit of a leveller and it makes all the amateur golfers in the world feel like it's uh, because let's face it the top players do look make it look ridiculously easy a lot of times and yeah so it's nice when the elements go against them yeah, we're all excited about Rolling Castle next week. Just to have the Irish Open back on the schedule as well, Laura, I, I presume it's a good thing for the European Tour and for European golf to have a tournament back in Ireland again. Sorry, can you say that again? Um, I presume it's good for just European golf and for the schedule generally to have, we're all looking forward to Dromolin Castle next week, but to have a tournament back in Ireland, back in the schedule after a 10-year absence has to be a good thing for golf here too. Oh, it's, it's great for women's golf for sure, and obviously it's good. It's good that the, the the fans are going to have a chance to see you know top women players competing on their course. And um, yeah, great HSBC have come in, obviously a good sponsor of golf around the world, and and now they're involved in the Irish. I'm hoping it's going to go from strength to strength, and you know hopefully I'll be able to come over there and play in it next year because I'd love to have at least one more go at an Irish Open. From an Irish perspective, I have to ask you about Shane Lowry's uh, fantastic victory and the thrilling finish that we had at Wentworth where we almost had an Irish playoff, but Rory McIlroy didn't quite make his putt in 18. But three years now, Shane Lowry was waiting after winning the Open itself to get a win back on tour again. Huge boost for him and a fantastic uh, weekend's golf that he put in. Like, to go around all four rounds bogey-free was remarkable from Lowry. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I mean, I'm... I'm he actually went three rounds, but even so, unbelievable that um, you can play Wentworth, especially because it's one of those golf courses that I don't see how you can get around there one day without a bogey, let alone three rounds. Under, I mean, they did have the ball in hand, which obviously helps these guys. They're so good and they could clean and place, which made it a little bit easier. But nonetheless, very rarely do you, do you have a, um, a tournament where a player goes absolutely bogey free like that. And he, do you know what the thing about it was? I watched virtually all of it, obviously, doing the commentary. Mm. And he never looked like dropping a shot. I think he came up short on the first on Sunday or, and had about a 30-yard shift. That might have been the hardest up and down he had the whole week, what I saw of it. So, um, yes, excellent golf. And that's the great thing about Shane, isn't it? Once he gets in a groove, he's hard to score. Yeah, he's a, he's a confidence player. I think we saw that with some of his play out of the bunkers. And even at times when it looked like maybe, you know, one hole might slip away from he always had that recovery in him. His short game gets him out of so many problems as well. Well, yeah, you've you got to be a complete player. And obviously, um, short game is a massive part of golf because, you know, your long game really kind of wins you a, a tournament. It's normally the passing and the chipping that, like you say, keeps the round going. When you hit it in close, holds those parts. And, and that's the great thing about Shane's game. When his confidence is up, not only does he play great stuff, he can make up for any loose shot that he does throw into the round. In many ways, it was probably the dream for the European Tour at their flagship event to have um, Larry and McElroy and also John Ram at the top of the leaderboard. McElroy's come right back into form again. Um, I know he's saying that the seasons have pretty much melted into each other, but at an important part of his year, if we're to call it the calendar year, Roy McElroy's back playing really good golf again. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I actually don't know how that part didn't go in. I'm sure Shane, I heard them afterwards having a little laugh about you've won too many already but uh, I think McElroy thought for all the money he was going for a playoff but yeah it, it was a sponsor's dream to have all those guys up there playing at their best the galleries were huge to be honest uh, and that they, they had a, a real feast and uh, yeah it was just it was just a great week all round wasn't it and, and it's always nice when the top European players do well in that event in particular because it's such a huge event well, our attention switches next week to the Irish Women's Open Women's Golf here in OTB in association with KPMG, proudly supporting women in sport. Laura, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks a million for joining us. That's no problem at all. Thank you very much. 
Women's Golf on Off the Ball. In association with KPMG, proudly supporting women in sport.